guys that seem like you need a little bit of help this morning. Tell them, I know it's a hard Sunday, but gosh, you're going to preach me to death if you don't wake up this morning and get with it. But wow, it's so great to be able to praise and worship the Lord this morning. To uh, give Him glory, those songs were so uplifting, weren't they? Can you say that? Amen. Uh, they certainly were. And so, turn with me, if you would, let's be lifted up in the Word of God this morning. Be Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I want to share a message about uh, maybe one of the most difficult things to do as a believer. And, uh, you know, it's all of our desire. I really believe as a Christian to want to put Jesus first in everything. I really believe that we wake up every morning as believers with the best intentions of, hey, I want to put Jesus first in my life. You know, I thought about maybe I should have entitled the message instead of putting Jesus first, maybe keeping Jesus first in our lives. It's real easy to make a decision if it. A choice to say, hey, you know, today is the day, Jesus is first in my life, and then as we go out into that day, as we begin to live that day, it's a little more difficult, doesn't it, to focus on Him, to live in the awareness of His presence with us, to uh, stay in tune to the purpose that God has sent us out into every day to be a witness for Him. And so, maybe it might have been better said, keeping Jesus first, but... Uh, whatever he needs to be first in our life. And, and as difficult and sometimes as distracting and as many a, a, a times we find ourselves under the attack of our enemy, we still need to fight to make sure he's first in our life and all that. Uh, follow along with me a few verses in Colossians chapter 3. Let me share a few things with you this morning. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting in the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We're going to stop there and pray, if you would. Pray with us morning. Father in heaven, Thank you today for your unfailing word. Thank you, Lord, that when there's ever confusion in our lives about anything, that in the word of God there's absolute clarity, and we thank you for that this morning. Now, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit be our teacher and our guide in your word this morning. And Father, we would truly focus and fixate on this thing about Jesus being first in our life. Teach us, Lord, what that looks like, how it happens in our life, Lord, that we can follow and be obedient in all these things. Lord, just fan those flames of your word in our hearts this morning, uh, that we might, might truly say that Jesus has spoken to us today. Of course, in his name I pray. Amen. You know, uh, thinking about that very idea of putting, keeping Jesus first in our life, it's a big challenge for believers, isn't it? That we walk every day following the Lord Jesus Christ and step with Him. Let me give you some things that Paul reminds us about in this very thing. First of all, if you look at verses 1 through 2, he makes an appeal for putting Jesus Christ first. In other words, he, he lays out a case and that he makes this appeal uh, about why Jesus ought to be first in our life. Now, 
or sometimes we need to be convinced of that, right? Or sometimes we need to be convinced that it's worth all the effort or it's worth the sacrifice or it's worth the surrender or whatever it is that many times you and I need a little bit of convincing for that very thing. And so Paul makes this tremendous appeal to uh, the, the believers there in, in the Colossae that you need to let Jesus be first in your life. Now listen to this appeal he makes. First of all, you see, if we don't allow Jesus to be first in our life, we devalue his sacrifice when we fail to live out his purposes on us. I mean, the high price that Jesus paid for us uh, becomes less valuable if we're not living in his will in our life. Uh, we, we shortchange God and what he paid for, right? How many of you like to be shortchanged? Uh, I, I mean, but, but isn't that really what we do when we don't live and put Jesus first in our life? Is that when he gets something less than what he paid for? And so it's important that we put him first in our life. Listen to this appeal. First of all, it's in the form of a plea. He makes his plea. Listen to what Paul says. If then you were raised up with Christ. What an appeal, isn't it? Or what a plea that Paul makes if you were raised up with Christ. Now listen, this is not the only place that Paul does this. He makes this kind of appeal in other places he writes. And so he he lays it out there if, if then you were raised with Christ. Now think about just for a minute what we were raised from. I mean, here's the basis of Paul's plea. You were raised from death to life. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That we were eternally separated from God. And he raised us, first of all, from death to life. He raised us out of darkness Scripture says, in the light. Now that's an amazing transformation. That we're not children of darkness anymore if we're in Christ, but we're children of light. Now, now light in the Bible is, is also, uh, has the idea of understanding or knowing. That we, that there was a time before we knew Jesus Christ, the Bible says we were a natural man or a woman. That we couldn't comprehend or understand the things of God. But the very thing that changed that and gives us understanding is the fact that we're now alive in Jesus Christ. And so we walk in the light as he walks in the light. And so it's important to know that, hey, knowing Jesus is knowing that we're raised from darkness to light. You know, another thing I thought about as well is that we're raised from prison to freedom. Now that's an uplifting thing, isn't it, that we, the Bible says that we were slaves to our sin, slaves to our passions. We were driven by the things of this world. That we were, we were hungry to feed our flesh and to feed that fallen nature in us. And you know who rescues us from that? Jesus Christ. That he makes us free. The Bible says, by the way, the Spirit of God lives in every believer. And the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Freedom. And so Jesus Christ, and knowing him, it, he's, he's raised us from prison to freedom, from bondage to freedom. And then I, I think about what the Old Testament says is that we're raised from a pit, and he sets our feet on a solid rock. You ever been in a pit before? I have. I've been inside a cave in a pit, by the way. And I want to tell you, it's awful. It's slimy and dirty and slick and hard to climb out of and all those things. And, and, and 
stand up. You know what Jesus Christ did for us because of our faith in Him? He took us out of that frustration and away from that slippery slope and He set our feet on solid rock. Now here's what Paul's saying. If that's your experience, then here's what we're going to do. If Jesus Christ and knowing Him has been any kind of benefit to you in any way, then here's how you ought to respond. If your life has changed for the better in any way by having called on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then here's what you ought to do. Put Him first. So Paul, he makes his plea. Paul's appeal, as I said, is on the basis of how Christ has affected us. In other words, if he's affected us, then here's how we ought to respond to him. He does that also in the book of Philippians. Listen to what he says in Philippians 2. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy. And Paul's joy was us, for us to put Jesus Christ first. If we enjoyed the love of Jesus Christ, the comfort of Jesus Christ, uh, the compassion of Jesus Christ, then Paul is saying, listen, let him be first. Let him be first. What an incredible thing in it, the plea that he makes. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all, all things have become new. If we know this newness of life, then it's time to put things in order in our life. Because we're a new creation. And so he makes his plea. If you look on in verse 1, not only does he make his plea, but also he gives us some perspective. He says in verse 1, if you were raised with Christ, what does he say? He says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting in the right hand of God. Listen, that's perspective, isn't it? Paul says, look, if, if Jesus is important, then here's what you need to pursue. Here's what you need to seek. I, I love what he says. He talks about Seek those things which are above. I, I think about those things are above. Uh, why, why things above, right? Uh, let me give you a short answer. Because they're better. <laughs> the things are above are better than the things below. And so Paul says, hey, you, you know, stop chasing the things in this world. Stop spending your time in, in the things that really don't matter, not eternal. But he says, seek those things which are above. Because it's, it's a better pursuit. It, it'll, it'll be a better value for you in the long run. You'll find out that it'll fulfill you much more by pursuing the things of Christ and the things of this world. If we put him in Christ and so there's that perspective about those things above. He says where Christ is. Now that's exciting isn't it, to think about where Jesus Christ is. Right? What, you remember what Jesus promised the disciples, what he promises you and I? He says, I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare that place, I'll come again and receive you unto myself where I am. There you may be also. That's our, 
Our, our end is with Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what Paul's saying is, is, why not start now pursuing those things? Why not focus on those things now in pursuing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven. Do you realize if you're a Christian, you're, 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 you're a, a, a certified citizen of heaven? Amen. You, you didn't have a, a naturalization process, you had a new birth. That causes you to be a citizen of heaven. And so the Paul says, see those things. He says, Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. Think about that just for a minute. Sitting. I mean, you know, always in the Bible City is an expression of rest. What's Jesus resting in heaven right now? Because he's finished the work of salvation. Because everything that you and I need to be saved and to, to be in connection and relationship with God is, is in God. Finished. And Jesus Christ finished that for us. And because of that, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, power and authority, right? And, and, and then the scripture says... That who also makes intercession for us in Romans chapter 8. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Oh, isn't that wonderful? That we have the Lord Jesus Christ interceding on our behalf for the Heavenly Father. There's never a time when we're not represented in heaven. When we're here on earth. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing about Jesus is, is that he, he mediates for us. He's the mediator, Scripture says, between God and man. So when it comes to being saved and offering a sacrifice, Jesus is the one who offers that sacrifice. And so in him we have forgiveness. And so he gives us some perspective. Those things that are above are, are better to pursue than these things are. And then also uh, about this appeal that Paul makes, not only does he give us some perspective, makes this incredible plea, but also he sets some priorities. He sets a priority. He says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. It, I mean, I know you realize, right, as well as I do, that there's, there's competition for our priorities and our passions here in this life. You guys felt that? That, that pulling of things below versus the pulling of things above, there's competition. And, and how, do we, how do we deal with the competition for our affections, our passions? Well, we make Jesus a priority. That he's first. Scripture says, but seek ye first, right? The kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, I remember as a Young person growing up here and preachers preach. Uh, and I, I remember one statement that I heard a preacher say, and, and it was a challenge to the church, and, and he was quoting somebody, and I don't know who he was quoting, and whoever he's quoting, I want to give him credit for, and I wouldn't want you to say it. But, but he, he said, Don't be so heavenly minded that you're not earthly good. Well, listen, we're way past that. I mean, our challenge is don't be so earthly-minded that we're no heavenly good. Because of those things that compete for our affection and our love, we have to be careful for those things. And so 
Paul sets a priority in our life, and he says that's the seed of those things above. He says, now, listen, not only does he make an appeal, but listen to me, there's the effect of putting Jesus Christ first. I mean, it, it has an impact on us when we put Jesus Christ first. It really doesn't. He mentions some of those things. If you look at verse 3, he says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's some of the effects that putting Jesus first in our lives has. First of all, when we put him first, we're living a shared life. He says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, that we died with him. We share his death. We're raised to share his life. And the spirit is living in us. That's him living his life through us. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. But he says, he says I live, but not me, but Christ lives through me. And he says, I, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul understood that the life that he was living was a shared life, that Jesus Christ was living in him. And, and they were living this shared life together. Right? I mean, how great is that? What, what better way to live than living with Jesus Christ in us? Paul says earlier, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so now, all, all of a sudden, we have this shared life. We're not alone anymore. We're not left to ourselves anymore. We're not left to our own strength or our own knowledge or anything. But now, Jesus is living in us. His Holy Spirit is our teacher in life. He's our, our guide in life today. He's the one who brings the comfort to us when we need comfort. He's our hope. He's the one who never gives up on us. Maybe some of you have got just a few people in your life that have never given up on you. Maybe some of you don't have any. But I'll tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have one who never gives up on you. But he stays with you. He goes through things with you. And he can identify with you. And we have this shared life with him. But also, Paul not only mentions this shared life hidden with Christ in God, but also he goes on to say, uses that word hidden. That word hidden is kind of a, uh, a, a unique word in the Greek language. As a matter of fact, the Greek word itself is a word that we use today, and you've heard it a thousand times here lately, and it's the word crypto. Mm -hmm. How many of you heard the word crypto lately? Mm -hmm. How many of you have some crypto currency <laughs> You see, the idea is hidden. Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly, cryptocurrency is something that the government can't get a hold of or that they can't have control of or it's hidden away from their purview. And so Paul says that we, we live a separated life in Jesus Christ. Not separated from the world in that sense, not separated from people in that sense, but separated for Jesus Christ. That we, we should live for Him. That the choices and decisions that we make should be for Jesus Christ. And because we're hidden with Him, we're separated for Him and for His glory. It means to set or to set aside from other things. Isn't that what Jesus Christ did for us? 
when he died for us and we believe in him that he separated us from other things for himself. I am so glad that he separated me from being eternally separated from him to be with him in heaven. And that's what he does. And so now not only is it a shared life, but it's a separated life that is glory. But he goes on and the idea also is living a secure life. We all want to be safe, don't we? Well, that word hidden also means to keep safe. That it's separated, that we're separated, that we're hidden with Christ in God so that we can be safe. Safe. Now, you say, well, Christians are getting killed all over the world. You're talking about safe? I'm talking about eternally safe in Jesus Christ. Is that no matter what we face in this world, we don't have to fear mankind. We, we, we don't have to fear any other power or authority because in Jesus Christ, we're saved. We're saved. We don't have to fear anything because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're saved in Him. And that's the effects that putting a personal life can have in our life. Because, you see, even though we're saved, if Jesus said it first, we don't feel saved. Do we? If you're a Christian here today, maybe maybe you're just you know not walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, and and and, and you stepped away from Him, uh, you don't feel sad, probably. You certainly don't feel separated from His glory, and and you probably don't feel like you're sharing His life. You see, when when we come in love and devotion to Him, surrender our lives to Him. Then all those things uh, affect us about them. And then finally, Paul says one last thing about putting him first is the anticipation of putting him first. Aren't you what is exciting? When we're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, when he's first in our life and our our our, our seeking him is, is first in our life, it's exciting. And we can anticipate some things. Look, look at verse 4 what it says. When Christ who is our life appears. You see we can anticipate a blessed revelation. Paul's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. When Christ who is our life appears. When, when he comes. Uh, how much hope do we have? Listen to what he wrote to Titus. He says for by the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said, Look, here's how we ought to be living now because we know He's coming. Here's what we ought to be doing now because He may come at any time. And that great appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't want to be caught off guard. He also writes to Timothy, and he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Love his appearing. Paul says, listen, this is a reward for our, our living faithfully for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
putting him first in our lives. And, and that reward is that we're going to be happy when he returns. That we're going to love his appearing. And you say, well, won't ever believe in love his appearing? I think some of love it more than others. Because so many of God's people that are, are loving him, serving him, walking with him, putting him first in life are going to be excited about seeing some of us who may not be there might be a little bit, I don't know, anxious. Oh, listen, when I was growing up, my dad got home within three minutes of time every single day. My brother and I knew he was coming. Now, typically, if he liked to give us a list of things to do. And on his list to do, and, and you know, he did get on about 503 and, and about 450, we'd start on his list. <laughs> but we knew he was coming. We knew he was coming. But we still put it off and put it off and put it off until the very end. You, you see, we can't do that. We, we can't put off doing what we know God wants. How he wants you to serve him. How he wants you to get involved in his kingdom work. We cannot keep putting that off. Why? Because we don't know when he's coming. We don't know when he's going to return. And we don't want to be disappointed when we have all the excuses I should have, I want to do, I wish I did. And all of a sudden he's here. And so Paul reminds us of a blessed revelation. Jesus is coming. He's coming. And then finally, he also mentions in verse 4, if that weren't enough, he says, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, there's the believer's resurrection. I mean, Jesus Christ, when he comes, the, the capstone of our experience and relationship with Jesus Christ is going to be the moment that we step into or that we're united in that glorified body that Christ Jesus prepared for. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit any corruption, but I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of the night, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this incorruption must put on this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruption is put on incorruption and the mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up by victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. He reminds us of what we ought to be doing till he comes and resurrects changes. Very corrupt five dollars. Just put them in place. Put them in place. The challenge is that we put them in place. But I think 
exhalation of his own. Father in heaven, thank you again for encouraging, challenging word that you have for us. Father, we love you. We love you. And we pray. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, that your love for us was of the kind that you would come and give up your life. And that you would die for us. That our sins can be forgiven. And we can have a hope of everlasting life. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll challenge our hearts about what it means to for you to be first in our lives above all things and above everything. That you are our God and our Lord. And that everything that we